0: good morning lansing it's saturday and the pet experts are in the building and it's time for the mid-michigan pet expert talk show on more compelling talk radio 1320 wils now your hosts lee cohen and rick poops
1: Welcome, Pet Keepers, to this week's MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. I'm your host, Lee Cohen, here with my co-host, the pet expert back in town, Mr. Rick Proust. Good morning, Rick. It's nice to see you, Lee. I, I missed your birthday while I was gone. You did, and I'm another year older or <laughs> another year closer to back down the other side of the hill, yeah. as it uh, yeah. frequently feels. Yeah. But uh, we're glad to have you back, because last week you were at the big Global Pet Expo down in Orlando, and we broadcast live from there. And what an interesting show. We got a lot of feedback about it and some very positive feedback. People really enjoyed the topics. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's like imagine an endless number of
0: football fields, it seems, like a tiresome amount of square footage for which there's actually no chance that you can spend three days, and if you actually want to focus each booth and at least find anything out about them, uh, you can't do it in the three days that they give you. So, we kind of div- divided and conquered, yeah. you know. I spent almost all of my time with fish related stuff and I did a little bit of uh, reptile oriented stuff just learning what's out there while my wife pretty much scoured everything with birds right and actually those those 3 are kind of the minority the majority is dog and cat and that was <laughs> that was Kirby and and Margie's uh, uh goal is to go around to all the booths and get ideas and
1: and such. Uh, it's, it was uh, quite the show. Well, it seems like there are always so many interesting uh, topics that are there, you really get an insight into the future of what's going on because you've got people who are testing products throughout the world and Mm. they might be available in a select market here or a select market there. Much like you guys carry a lot of products that are Michigan made and they're sold here and you don't find them anywhere else. And some of them have turned out to be fantastic products. Right. So you just, you get the chance to see all of that that's available everywhere in the world, all in one place, yeah. and I hate to say it as someone who likes animals, that just sounds really fun.
0: Yeah, and I I know our guest was on last night or last week in regards to the the dog treat that was made out of the uh, the 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 carp the the, the Asian, carp, Asian carp right. Well, we talked about that on our show at great length about the tro- the problem we're having in our great lakes but um, and and when i facebooked that you know there was somebody who was like well are they concerned you know they were worried that like somehow or another these these fish would be getting into the great lakes by their activities and i was like no these are the actual guys that are coming up with an industry that's going to put serious pressure on that fish the best chance we have because nature's not going to solve our problems because they've, it's already disrupted the entire ecosystem. And so unless man-made pressures go against that particular fish... You know, we're in for the long haul of some pretty serious, you know, destruction. So that was kind
1: of cool. No, it was very cool because essentially the message I got was that either our palates in America are going to have to change to where we're going to eat those fish, which we don't seem to be doing right now, or we're going to have to rely on the fact that boy, dogs and cats like to eat and they like (laughs) to eat a lot, and fish seems to be a pretty tasty treat to them. So it sounds to me like you've got a perfect marriage made uh, somewhere in heaven for for those two. so it was yeah. a, a great interview and same thing with the folks that who are gathering the shrimp along uh, the Canadian border with with the help of the government yep. I mean it, they were fascinating interviews
0: yeah and those shrimp should not be in there, you know it, it's it's a unwanted shrimp for which is just totally owned the lake, and so it's an endless resource of something, and as they pull it out, they're actually providing
1: benefit. right. Well, there's lots of other stuff. And uh, one of these days, I'm going to ask you to go through and really take me through. Now, tell me about the really cool stuff that you saw (laughs) that you think is going to be big down the road. Because the truth is, I'll guarantee, you've seen a couple of ideas that three years from now, when you look back, are going to be in fruition. And they're going to be hot sellers. And we're going to be curious about But I don't want to put you on the spot now because we've got a great show planned for today. You know, holistic uh, veterinary care and the whole concept of alternative therapies is something that I know you found fascinating, as have I. And we've got Dr. Cotter and Dr. Steele coming in from Caring Animal Hospital to talk about it. You're good with holistic, aren't you, Rick? Well, <laughs> I I don't know how good I am with holistic.
0: I think I think we can always learn a little bit more. I wouldn't mind a little acupuncture right now to make my back feel a little better, so <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I'm great with the idea of experiencing it. How's that? Well, we're going to have a great conversation about alternative veterinary care with the ladies from the Caring Animal Hospital this week on the Mid Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 Back WILS to two guys who and 1320 WILS. whenever their WILS. iPhones
0: ring. You're listening to the Mid Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show with Rick Pruse and Lee Cohen on 1320
1: WILS. We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show, and Rick, we have with us in the studio a couple of returning guests. We've got Dr. Haley Cotter and Dr. Bethany Steele, who are the veterinarians from the Caring Animal Hospital over on Aurelius Road in Holt. Welcome back to the show, Doctors Cotter and Dr. Steele.
2: Hi, Lee. Hi, Rick. Thanks so much for having us again.
1: Oh, it's our pleasure to have you guys. The reason we wanted to have you is because we have not talked about holistic veterinary care or alternative therapies in the longest time. A few years back, for whatever reason, I feel like we went on a trip, Rick and I, for about a month <laughs> where we spent time talking quite a bit about holistic veterinary care. And to be honest, at the time, I was was completely clueless, not that you would be surprised to say I'm not much further than that right now. Uh, But at the same time, uh, it was really, really interesting. And so I guess to begin today's show, can you explain for our listeners what is kind of holistic veterinary care or what's alternative therapies? There's a number of different terms these days that I'm not too completely familiar with. But what are they... and why do people utilize them?
2: Absolutely. Um, I think that those terms are often used interchangeably, but people don't know exactly what they're referring to when they're using those terms. Um, So in veterinary medicine, we have what's referred to as traditional or Western medicine, and that is the use of pharmaceuticals and drugs and scientific information to treat our patients. And then there is also holistic or alternative therapies or integrative medicine in which we use adjunctive or supplemental medicines like acupuncture, laser therapy, chiropractic, herbal therapies, and so on and so forth.
1: Now, is the fact that it emanates mostly from the East The issue? Uh, Is it just the fact that these concepts are new? What is it about these methods that seem a little out there for the average person that in some cases might even make them feel a little bit uncomfortable?
2: I think a lot of these things um, originate from the East. I mean, that whole civilization was established well before us here in the North American and South American territories. And so we get a lot of our traditions, medicine and otherwise, From that type of culture. Now, I'm not sure exactly where people have the disconnect and where they have issues trusting that sort of medicine that has been used over 3,000 years on humans and animals alike and has been proven uh, even with clinical trials to show that it does make a positive difference in a clinical outcome in patients.
0: Well, the one thing is humans can be a little bit of placebo effect Uh, affected by just what's in their head but when you deal with the animal kingdom they don't have any preconceived notion as to what that needle's all about or not or laser therapy is about or not so you have like the perfect opportunity if we want to build confidence and understanding to find out whether or not that limp goes away or the dog acts differently it's not going to be fooled by the placebo effect so what have you what has been your witness and what what gets you excited about talking about this? Because um, I think being on the right there at the uh, the curbside of all the activities, you've got to have some stories to tell.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And I must admit, before I was certified in acupuncture and had experiences with each of de- these different modalities of medication, I mean, you would be crazy not to have your concerns and um, be skeptical of it. Uh, but I started off as an assistant in a veterinary clinic, just seeing the amazing things that these types of medicines can do. Um, Now, back then, I was just experiencing acupuncture, but I would see dogs come in as paraplegics, extreme weakness in the back end, ataxic, unable to walk. And after a couple of treatments, they would walk out the door. And seeing something like that where there's such a vast difference in their quality of life, it's truly inspiring. And those sorts of things, often you don't get those kind of outcomes without surgical intervention.
0: Now, what is it that, let's just focus a little bit on acupuncture. We can always go to other modalities, if you will. But let's talk about acupuncture and try to explain to someone listening in why it works, how it works. What is it about that technique that, you know, somebody somewhere along the line stumbled onto a solution to a problem using a needle.
2: Yeah, i so, guessing
1: it was a seamstress.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, acupuncture is derived from the acupoint. So there are different points of the body located in certain muscles or by different vessels or nerve branches and things like that. And each of those locations are stimulated. Now, they can be stimulated with a dry needle, with electroacupuncture, aqua acupuncture, hemoacupuncture, laser acupuncture, all these different... Ways to stimulate the location as long as it gets stimulated and once that location is stimulated each of these areas cause an influx of b- blood flow it causes more production and release of inflammatory cells the body starts to produce hormones such as endorphins that respond in this area it can decrease muscle spasm it stimulates nerve endings and thus you get an effect to decrease pain inflammation and circulate the blood better and that helps in a lot of these situations where these animals are coming in in pain or otherwise
0: if i uh, have a headache or a body ache and i take a pill I, I can expect it to last a certain prescribed amount of time until that chemical gets through my body and gone when it comes to acupuncture what what, what is the duration of effect and it, does, it, does it do any long-term anatomy change that can give us long-term uh, re- results or is it more of a relief for the moment or for the day or for the week or the month?
2: Rick, that is such a good question. Um, so it's not going to be like a pain medication or an anti-inflammatory medication where you take it, it's there for eight hours and then it's gone. Um, it does vary on how long it lasts for each patient uh the longer you're getting acupuncture or excuse me your pet is getting acupuncture it will last longer so at first you're going to need to do it more frequently and then slowly space it out so i normally start it about once a week uh and i'll do that and then go once every other week and then once a month Mm -hmm. as far as maintenance goes um but what's nice about it is you don't have any of the side effects and things that you may get with some of the medications these uh, western medications that we're using are metabolized through the body and can cause changes to the liver the kidneys and things and for animals who have a disease in those organs those medications may not be an option and they need to seek alternative routes to alleviate their pain and suffering
1: now when it comes to this methodology let's shift over to dr Steele. What is your belief about this method? Because you go to vet school, and I imagine largely what they teach you is Western approach. And yet, in your practice, you've been open to doing both Eastern and Western. Talk a little bit about your background and and your feelings about that whole thing.
3: I think the hardest part about it is that when you're, treating patients, um, you have all different owners (laughs) and owners sometimes don't want the type of care that you learn in medical school. They want the type of care that they've done research on that's worked for them. And so um, what you've learned is, is that especially through studies where they've proven that these um, Eastern types of medicine work is that um, you can offer uh, all of these together and still get um the type of care that you want for every patient. And when you do that, clients are happier, animals are happier, animals are healthier, and um and you have more options uh, to provide the type of care, the really high standard of care that I think that most clients are looking for with their patients. And um, you can use less of, you can use them in conjunction or separately, and um, you can use less of a lot of the medicines that can cause the side effects.
0: So, Dr. Steele, you've got a society of other veterinarians that make up this idea of what makes responsible veterinary care. What has the ethos and the thought process been within your community, let's say, Ten years, fifteen years back, and today, has that changed? Is it more embraced, is, or, is, or is there still a lot of holdouts as to how much we should be supporting alternative therapies and holistic approaches?
3: I definitely think it's become more commonplace in the last maybe five to ten years. Five to 10. Certainly, we, when I went to school, acupuncture in animals was not even a thing. Um, things like laser therapy, they didn't talk about it. Um, there was no continuing education on it and no standards for it. Um, as we are um, getting into uh, people just understanding the care, their own care, let alone their pet's care more, and know that there are other options and modalities, it's becoming more commonplace in human medicine as well. Uh, we now know that um, definitely these things, uh, these types of um, Eastern, um, as we like to call it, medicine works, and um, and it's a good option.
1: Well, it's funny you say that because I was going to ask you the question: Is animal care leading human care, or is human care leading animal care? Because it's interesting. I've seen people seeming to be more willing to look at holistic approaches with their pets, and then they're frankly saying, oh, it seems to be working great for them. Maybe I should do the same thing. And I use raw foods occasionally as an example. I've seen people who have gone to eating sushi and things like that all the time because they're like, wow, you know, my animal thrives under that type of thing, and I do too. Is which who's leading
3: who? In um, laser therapy, the um, man that developed laser therapy is a veterinarian okay. uh, down in Florida, and he's the one that's doing many of the studies on it. Um, so in that particular um, type of medicine, certainly v- uh, veterinary medicine uh, is leading the way. Um, but we have to remember that A lot of these modalities have been around around longer than Mm -hmm. the type of traditional medicine that we think of. And so um, in the long run, this is kind of more of a resurgence of past types of medicine.
0: Kind of rediscovery.
3: Yes. And, you know, I think a lot of the Native um, Americans in the United States in the the type of um, they used medicines from you know from the environment, and that's how they protected their um, their people and their tribes. And we you know we're going back to a lot of that now. Right. Um, I mean, there are some really interesting things about microbiomes that are um, coming out now, which is the bacteria in our own body and why some people don't develop cancer and some do, and they believe it has to do a lot with the bacteria that's our in our system and why. Uh, why some people are healthier than others and there's a ton of research on that both in e- human and animal medicine now hmm. and I think it's going to be the wave of the future um, and it has a lot to do with what you eat, how well you take care of yourself, uh, all of the, you know, how well you're aligned, um, all of those things make a huge well, well, difference. Will
0: there be some, there. like, do you imagine some inoculation, like is it just that I don't have exposure to those bacterias? Or is it just that I'm not culturing the bacterias that need to be cultured if I'm creating a difficult situation?
3: Correct. It's It has a lot to do with what you eat. Right. Uh, right. So uh, what your microbiome or what the bacteria is inside of your intestinal tract so, or your mouth, let's say. Like why does one animal have uh, a terrible mouth and another doesn't? Well, it has to do with the bacteria in that mouth. Same for people. Uh, so. Um, so in the long run it has to do with uh, there is some genetic component to it as well but Mm -hmm. I think it has to do a lot with the bacteria that's in your system but it's new medicine it's all new um They're doing some pretty cool stuff.
1: It's fascinating. We're talking this morning with Dr. Haley Cotter and Dr. Bethany Steele from the Caring Animal Hospital. We need to take a quick break, but when we come back, I'd like to talk about what are some of the conditions in which you guys are finding that some of these alternative methodologies actually work out great that people might want to think about occasionally using it for. And we'll have that conversation right after the break on the MidMichigan Pet expert talk show here on 1320 W.I.L.S. they're useless if you scratch
0: their belly. You're listening to the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show with Rick Cruz and Lee Cohen on 1320 W.I.L.S.
1: It's 9.35 and we're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And Rick, we've been talking this morning all about alternative or holistic veterinary care and we have with us in the studio Dr. Haley Cotter and Dr. Bethany Steele from the Caring Animal Hospital located on Aurelius in Holt. And before the break, I had kind of teased where I wanted to go with this segment. If I have an animal, what kind of ailments or situations that my animal is going through would you recommend that one of these alternative treatments might be the best way to go give me give me some ideas
2: so I would say predominantly we see a lot of pain, and inflammatory cases. So for acupuncture, what I'm seeing most of the time is going to be intervertebral disc disease. It's um, when the discs between the vertebral bodies and a dog's back herniates into the spinal canal and causes pain and uh, paresis. Now, that's most common in our wiener dogs or dachshunds. And um, like I was saying earlier, I have really, really good success with those. You have them come in, with an inability to walk and after a couple of treatments, they're able to decrease enough inflammation and gain enough of their strength back to be able to ambulate on their own. Um, other things that acupuncture and these other Eastern therapies are excellent for is um, any type of like osteoarthritis in the elbows, the hips, the knees. Um, we can do it for cancer trauma of any sort, um, hit by car, post-operatively even, uh, big dog, little dog fights, any type of metabolic disorder. So liver and kidney disease, um, pancreatitis, Cushing's disease, uh, cardiac diseases. So if an animal is having issues with their heart, um, there are also acupuncture points to stimulate and modify behavior. There are certain calming points on uh, dogs and cats that we can utilize. Uh, We can help skin problems, GI problems, reproductive issues, even um, immune-mediated things. And I mean, the list goes on and on. It's infinite.
0: And when do you know you've got laser and then you've got acupuncture? Are there specific situations where one just is an obvious, like this is almost like left or right? Is it like an appropriate thing to do laser It's an appropriate thing to do. Acupuncture is there kind of like a uh, kind of could go either way.
3: You can use them in conjunction and we do do that often. Um, But there are there are limitations to what you can do with laser therapy. So um, with the laser therapy, the laser wavelength can um, go into the body up to four to five centimeters. And so you can't do any organ dysfunction problems like you can with acupuncture. So you can do joints, you can do skin, um, sometimes bladders in cats because, you know, that is pretty close to the abdominal wall, teeth, um, ears, those types of things are all great for laser therapy, but as far as treating a liver condition or a kidney condition, um, those are not viable options for the laser, but they're very good and uh, great options for acupuncture. Acupuncture can treat the whole body, uh, whereas the laser can just treat um, those topical areas.
0: Now, do you always have cooperation, I guess? I mean, I'm putting... If you're going to be putting needles in these animals, uh, you know, I'd imagine whether it's a young child or a, or a dog or a cat or whatnot, uh, you know, you have to have a cooperative patient and they need to understand what's going on. How do you, how do you muscle that in?
2: Absolutely, Rick. That's a very good point. I was actually going to bring that up. Now, that is the limitation with acupuncture because that certainly is not a therapy that is good for every patient across the board. The patient has to be willing to accept it. So, animals who are overtly and outright aggressive, that may not be the right thing for them, or animals who are profoundly nervous, or animals who frankly just don't like being poked with needles. Um, Animals who can't hold still for the duration of the therapy. There are all sorts of things. Um, I did have a patient recently that just didn't like to hold still. Um, So in those instances, I can use other types. Um, I used aqua acupuncture. So you just inject vitamin B12 into those acupoints instead of sitting there and leaving that needle in that location for 30 to 45 minutes. So that volume of that vitamin B12 will occupy that space, and it'll be essentially the same thing. It'll keep applying pressure to that acupoint as if there were a needle in it.
0: Um, Explain to me how that B12 works, because I keep hearing this when I hear the conversation, whether it's human medicine now I heard it. I've just heard it yesterday, um, and on, uh, on on a radio show I was listening to, and then you brought it up. Now, it seems strange. I need to understand that. How does that work?
2: Absolutely, um, B twelve is a really nice thing to use in acupuncture because it's a vitamin that is water soluble. So if you accidentally give a little bit too much or something like that, the animal will just urinate it out. Um, Now I do have to warn my patients and clients that sometimes after administration of the vitamin B12, their urine can be pink because that's the color of the vitamin. Um, But that particular vitamin, it stimulates energy, um, helps animals stimulate a good appetite, those sorts of things. Uh, And it's doesn't have a whole lot of side effects that's otherwise benign as far as side effects go which makes it safe to use in those acupoints.
0: Yeah I remember one situation that was really cool Hoover in the river uh, he's this 30 inch long catfish and he had developed a bacterial infection and we had to go through and treat with a, with injections uh, in his own little tank in the back quarantine room uh, but we got to the point where he was healed but he wouldn't eat and literally the day he came in and injected that B12 is the exact time like a few <laughs> hours later? He just started eating right away. He was sucking it up like a hoover. <laughs> yeah, he, it, it was it was very convincing. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's
3: used for pernicious anemia in in people as well. So it increases your red blood cell count. You know, it has a lot of really important effects. And um, we don't eat it very well as people. Um, we, it's not in our uh, foods, unless we really work at it, and it, uh, it's a bit the same in animals. So it can be low, um, especially in GI cases. Um, mm. It can be a real problem. So it does really stimulate anim- uh, animals' appetite. Are there well. are there foods
0: that actually do have it in it though? Can you well, think of any?
3: People uh, definitely animals f- uh, like kibbled foods. Uh, you know they put that in sure. there. Sure. But um, um, B12 beets have it. Okay. Um, okay. For people. Um, Gosh, I can't remember anything else uh, that, right that, now. That, that's um, a, hard, that's yeah. a hard
0: one to like. I wow. can understand. That alone will, well, if, if that's they... where it's found, we're not getting it very much because I'm not eating the beets.
1: Well, and it's funny you say that because a lot of people are pushing beets very heavily yeah. these I think days. They're being promoted a lot. So The only way I ever got beets is through sugar. Sugar beets. <laughs> that's go. about it. There you go. Now, I have a question for you, and again, forgive my foolishness, but- it's sounding like the Eastern techniques can all be done without anesthesia. And is that the case? And is that one of the advantages versus a lot of the Western techniques is the non-introduction of anesthesia in the process?
3: Well, um one thing about the difference in those, and then I'll answer your question, is that acupuncture takes a while. So it's a good hour appointment um, at each acupuncture, initially for the evaluation and then each time. Whereas with the laser therapy, you can usually do that if it's just one area in less than five minutes. So when you have that dog or cat that doesn't handle the you know, long-term acupuncture for the laser, you can usually, even in an aggressive dog with some protective measures, can get those things done. So mm-hmm. you can still do some form of therapy without, um, you know, surgery or medications with one or the other of these, you know, with that particular modality. As far as to answer your question, yes, there are definitely um, times that we don't have to do a surgery because of how they respond to either acupuncture or laser therapy. And that is, you know, the reason we do it, right? We don't want an animal to have to go through those procedures if at all possible. So if it can be treated with one of these other ways, then we will do it if we can.
0: And so, you might actually have an x-ray of the of a back problem, and you're actually deciding, do we do this surgically, or do we go down the pathway of, let's say, acupuncture, right? Or laser treatment. I, th-
3: I think a good example is a recent um, German Shepherd that we saw that uh, had fractured a tiny little bone off of its toe. And um, we could not get it to keep a splint on. It would not. It was just crazy. And so what we basically did is just chose to do laser therapy on that dog twice a week, and we did it for 12 weeks. And after six, uh, and it was twice a week, um, and after um, six treatments, um, the it hadn't fully healed, uh, but after 12, fully healed. So, um, so, and we did not stabilize it because the dog would not leave a splint on. And so the laser... Therapy uh, stimulated that to heal, so we didn't have to do a surgery where we remove that little piece of bone chip. That, that where what we did would that have just get
0: incorporated? Did the chip get incorporated then? It
3: calloused, just like any type of a bone fracture would. It calloused back into the bone and attached. But, you know, the reason you have to splint is to keep it from moving so that it can be stable, the callus. And, you know, it may have healed anyway. You don't know the answer to that question. But um, after two weeks of uh, trying to splint it it and the dog kept chewing on it, getting it wet, you know, all of those things, there was no healing. It took the laser
1: therapy to get the healing on that. Fascinating. We're talking this morning with Dr. Haley Cotter and Dr. Bethany Steele from the Caring Animal Hospital. And we need to take another break. But after the break, we'd like to bring you back for one more segment. And one of the things I'd like to get into is some of the herbal therapies and other things that are out there that you guys get into. Because, again, I think we're moving beyond the days of scented candles into some really interesting places as far as medicine goes. So we'll have that conversation right after the break on the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on
0: 1320 1320. WILS.
1: We're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show and we've been talking today all about alternative veterinary care methods and Eastern or do you want to call it holistic? There's lots of different names but we've got a couple of experts on the subject, Dr. Haley Cotter, as well as Dr. Bethany Steele from the Caring Animal Hospital located on Aurelius and Holt. And uh, Dr. Steele, let's begin with you. Uh, There are different kinds of laser therapies and techniques. Talk a little bit about what are some of the differences and what makes them different and what do they do differently, that kind of stuff.
3: Well, there are two kinds of lasers that we use in therapy. Um, one is called a cold laser, which is less than five watts, and, and the other one is considered the therapy laser, and, and those can be any wattage. Um, but ours at our facility is at Caring Animal Hospital is less than is a fifteen watt laser. So, cold lasers um, are um, less stimulating to the um, Mitochondria, which are the brains of the cell, they are um, less stimulating for inflammation so that they don't control that as well, and they are not as antibacterial as the type of lasers with the higher wattage are. Um, And how much watts or joules is another way um, that a patient gets is how... um, is how that works on the body and, how, and on the cells for those types of lasers. So cold lasers, although have some effectiveness, are not as effective for the type of conditions that we treat in animals, um, and for that matter in people, uh, than the therapy lasers that we have, or the therapy laser that we have, the companion therapy laser at our veterinary hospital.
0: And this is probably the same type of laser therapy that you hear about with athletes, that have injuries and such, yes?
3: They use a combination of both, but yes. You know, if you if you went to, let's say, the Lions, um, their training facility, uh, and went into the locker room, they're going to have five, probably, therapy lasers that they treat their athletes with all the time, or let's say the uh, tigers, I mean, that's how they keep their people healthy is to use these lasers and take inflammation away uh, before it becomes, you know, a long-term or a long-standing problem. So they use the these on uh, athletes' joints all the time.
0: Well, the one thing as Americans that we're comfortable with, I suppose, historically or familiar with, is the expense associated with whether it's Eastern or Western. Is this a is this uh, an expensive practice? Is this something that when they come in, they're going to kind of, is it fitting the same profile financially as if they were treated with Western medicines? Uh, what is the overall cost associated with doing something like this?
3: So uh, laser uh, cost per session can run anywhere from um, 30 to $50, um, okay. depending on how long Um, we have to go. So we have one patient that we're doing four different areas. It's taking us 20 minutes to do the laser. That patient, it's $50 a session. Uh, If I'm doing just one area for five minutes, that is uh, $32 a session. So um, we do packages because most of the time you're doing, let's say, an osteoarthritis case, you need to do more than one. Mm -hmm. So therefore, if you buy five, you get the six free um, and so that also encourages people to continue coming in, um, <laughs> which can happen that they don't sometimes. Yeah. Um, and then um, if we're doing just one local area um, and it takes two minutes, that could cost maybe twenty five dollars. Um, if I had a hot spot or where a patient wouldn't stop looking at its paw, for, and it had a big sore, you know, maybe we would only have to do that once or twice, and that would be twenty five dollars a session. So it's pretty affordable.
0: Now, is the tool? Sizably expensive? I mean, I'm not going to have one in my ba- bathroom, am I? Uh...
3: No, uh, it is the type of therapy laser that I carry is um, quite expensive, 25000 um, twenty-five to $30,000 a unit. Okay, well, I'll pay the $30. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: so- sounds like a plan there, Rick. Yeah. Uh, now, my question for you guys Getting away from the lasers a little bit, I'm very interested in some of the herbal remedies that you guys get into uh, because I do know more and more it seems like uh, they're figuring out how to use certain olfactory senses in order to make me feel certain moods and things like that. Is that also penetrating into the animal realm as well? Is there a way that I can light a candle and get my dog to stop barking and cook? calm <laughs> down as an example. I mean, talk a little bit about uh, if we're moving in that direction.
2: There are definitely um, some herbal remedies available for veterinary use. Now, these are all produced in regulated environments. They have regulated amounts of each of these type of herbs combined, and um, the place I'm most familiar, familiar with is the Jing Tong Herbal, which is the company that um, runs out of Florida The same gentleman who owns that also runs the acupuncture school that I went to in Florida. And he has a wide variety of herbals used for many, many different things. And each of his herbal concoctions are patented and unique. um, And each has their own set of ingredients. So it's not just one plant or one herb in this uh, herbal remedy. It's a mixture of a bunch of them. He has them for... Um, liver stimulation, he has them for inflammation, for pain, he has them for um, stress and anxiety as far as behavior goes. And each of them has components in them to bear with me, but it can tonify the kidney or tonify the spleen or it can increase blood or increase chi or yin or yang and all of these types of things. And I know it's a little bit difficult to follow if you're not educated in the whole Eastern medicine realm, but that's what makes it unique. And if you understand it, you understand how these herbals work within the bodies of the patients we're using them in.
1: Well, if it makes my animal feel better, I suppose that's what's important. Now, we've only got a couple of minutes left, but, Dr. Steele, I would like to ask you, one of the big areas where I have seen improvement, and I don't think it's eastern, I think it's western, is in the improvement in the foods that you guys are doing. I was saying during the break, I have a dog who has just been a piggy more than a doggy when it comes to how he eats and all of a sudden we have gotten him to lose weight on some of the veterinarian food that's available out there for losing weight talk about that as a remedy that people need to think about because nutrition makes a big difference
3: yeah specifically for weight loss um, we have found both in humans and in animals that um, there are enzymes that fat makes that encourages your body to eat more, encourages your body to produce more fat. And then it just snowballs. And so there are now foods and animals that are out there that specifically – other than calorie restriction, but specifically targets those enzymes to increase the ability for your pet to lose weight. I kind of want that food for myself at this point, but uh, I don't know if I'm going to eat the dog food, but uh, but anyway, I mean, there's some pretty amazing um, foods out there that You know, along with, you know, the other things that we already know, as I just said, calorie restriction, it now works on our specific parts of our body. And I think that's pretty amazing that they have that research that proves that, you know, if you've got that fat cat that you've been trying to lose weight, we now have foods that we can get that cat to lose weight. And um, one may not work. We can try a second kind uh, because sometimes they'll respond to an Atkins-like diet, a high protein, low carbohydrate diet. I mean, it just depends on each specific animal, but we have all of those options now. We have ones for urinary health, for stones, to prevent uh, the production of stones. Um, For kidney disease, of course, that's been around for a long time, but there's newer developments in that. Um, For behavior, we have foods that are meant to work on anxiety now. Um, So we have, I mean, there's just a gamut. There's a new one out there. We haven't tried it yet. That's actually supposed to decrease seizures. Um, That's pretty amazing stuff. Now, I don't know about the research on that one. I haven't looked at it, but... I mean, it's out there, so they have studies that prove it works.
1: Well, I'm telling you now, the one that gets the dog to stop barking, especially at night, (laughs) is absolutely the one that many of us out there would love to have. But I'm sorry to say we are out of time, but we'd like to thank you both for coming in. We've been talking this morning with Dr. Haley Cotter and Dr. Bethany Steele from the Caring Animal Hospital. And, Rick, I'm sorry to say, I think we could continue this conversation for four weeks, which is how I think we did it the last time. <laughs> so I, I could see how that happened. But on behalf of our producer, Laura Cassio, Rick Proust, my co-host in the studio, this is Lee Cohen wishing all of you a great weekend, a great week ahead. We'll talk next weekend on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. In the meantime, will you please, please take good care of your pets. Have a great weekend.